Section 24 of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rome by Emil Zola, translated by Ernest Visitelli. Chapter 12, Part 2. With its eight windows overlooking the Corso, their panes uncurtained and throwing a blaze of light upon the houses across the road, the picture gallery, sixty-five feet in length and more than thirty in breadth, spread out with incomparable splendour. The illumination was dazzling. Clusters of electric lamps had changed seven pairs of huge marble candelabra into gigantic torchères, akin to constellations. And all along the cornice up above, other lamps set in bright-hued floral glasses formed a marvellous garland of flaming flowers tulips peonies and roses the antique red velvet worked with gold which draped the walls glowed like a furnace fire about the doors and windows there were hangings of old lace broidered with flowers in coloured silk whose hues had the very intensity of life but the sight of sights beneath the sumptuous panelled ceiling adorned with golden roses the unique spectacle of a richness not to be equalled was the collection of masterpieces such as no museum could excel there were works of Raffaele and Titian, Rembrandt and Rubens, Velázquez and Ribera, famous works which in this unexpected illumination suddenly showed forth, triumphant with youth regained, as if awakened to the immortal life of genius. And as their majesties would not arrive before midnight, the ball had just been opened, and flights of soft-hued gowns were whirling in a waltz past all the pompous throng, the glittering jewels and decorations, the gold-broidered uniforms and the pearl-broidered robes, whilst silk and satin and velvet spread and overflowed upon every side. "'It is prodigious, really,' declared Prada with his excited air. "'Let us go this way and place ourselves in a window recess again. There is no better spot for getting a good view without being too much jostled.' They lost Narcisse somehow or other, and on reaching the desired recess found themselves but two, Pierre and the Count. The orchestra, installed on a little platform at the far end of the gallery, had just finished the waltz and the dancers with an air of giddy rapture were slowly walking through the crowd when a fresh arrival caused every head to turn donna seraphina arrayed in a robe of purple silk as if she had worn the colours of her brother the cardinal was making a royal entry on the arm of consistorial advocate morano and never before had she laced herself so tightly never had her waist looked so slim and girlish and never had her stern wrinkled face which her white hair scarcely softened expressed such stubborn and victorious domination a discreet murmur of approval ran round a murmur of public relief as it were for all roman society had condemned the unworthy conduct of morano in severing a connection of thirty years to which the drawing-rooms had grown as accustomed as if it had been a legal marriage the rupture had lasted for two months to the great scandal of rome where the cult of long and faithful affections still abides and so the reconciliation touched every heart and was regarded as one of the happiest consequences of the victory which the bocaneras had that day gained in the affair of benedetta's marriage morano repentant and donna seraphina reappearing on his arm nothing could have been more satisfactory love had conquered decorum was preserved and good order re-established but there was a deeper sensation as soon as benedetta and dario were seen to enter side by side behind the others this tranquil indifference for the ordinary forms of propriety on the very day when the marriage with prada had been annulled this victory of love confessed and celebrated before one and all seemed so charming in its audacity so full of the bravery of youth and hope that the pair were at once forgiven amidst a murmur of universal admiration 
and as in the case of celia and attilio all hearts flew to them to their radiant beauty to the wondrous happiness that made their faces so resplendent dario still pale after his long convalescence somewhat slight and delicate of build with the fine clear eyes of a big child and the dark curly beard of a young god bore himself with a light pride in which all the old princely blood of the bocaneros could be traced and benedetta she so white under her cask of jetty hair she so calm and so sensible wore her lovely smile that smile so seldom seen on her face but which was irresistibly fascinating transfiguring her imparting the charm of a flower to her somewhat full mouth and filling the infinite of her dark and fathomless eyes with a radiance as of heaven and in this gay return of youth and happiness an exquisite instinct had prompted her to put on a white gown a plain girlish gown which symbolized her maidenhood which told that she had remained through all a pure untarnished lily for the husband of her choice and nothing of her form was to be seen not a glimpse of bosom or shoulder it was as if the impenetrable redoubtable mystery of love the sovereign beauty of woman slumbered there all-powerful but veiled with white again not a jewel appeared on her fingers or in her ears there was simply a necklace falling about her corsage but a necklace fit for royalty the famous pearl necklace of the bocaneras which she had inherited from her mother and which was known to all rome pearls of fabulous size cast negligently about her neck and sufficing simply as she was gowned to make her queen of all oh murmured pierre in ecstasy how happy and how beautiful she is but he at once regretted that he had expressed his thoughts aloud for beside him he heard a low plaint an involuntary growl which reminded him of the count's presence however prada promptly stifled this cry of returning anguish and found strength enough to affect a brutish gaiety the devil said he they have plenty of impudence i hope we shall see them married and bedded at once then regretting this coarse jest which had been prompted by the revolt of passion he sought to appear indifferent she looks very nice this evening he said she has the finest shoulders in the world you know and it's a real success for her to hide them and yet appear more beautiful than ever he went on speaking contriving to assume an easy tone and giving various little particulars about the countess as he still obstinately called the young woman however he had drawn rather further into the recess for fear no doubt that people might remark his pallor and the painful twitch which contracted his mouth he was in no state to fight to show himself gay and insolent in presence of the joy which the lovers so openly and naively expressed and he was glad of the respite which the arrival of the king and queen at this moment offered him ah here are their majesties he exclaimed turning towards the window look at the scramble in the street although the windows were closed a tumult could be heard rising from the footways and pierre on looking down saw by the light of the electric lamps a sea of human heads pour over the road and encompass the carriages he had several times already seen the king during the latter's daily drives to the grounds of the villa borghese whither he came like any private gentleman unguarded unescorted with merely an aide-de-camp accompanying him in his victoria at other times he drove a light phaeton with only a footman in black livery to attend him and on one occasion pierre had seen him with the queen the pair of them seated side by side like worthy middle-class folks driving abroad for pleasure and as the royal couple went by the busy people in the streets and the promenaders in the public gardens contented themselves with wafting them an affectionate wave of the hand the most expansive simply approaching to smile at them and no one importuning them with acclamations pierre who harboured the traditional idea of kings closely guarded and passing processionally with all the accompaniment of military pomp was therefore greatly surprised and touched by the amiable bonhomie of this royal pair 
who went wherever they listed in full security amidst the smiling affection of their people everybody moreover had told him of the king's kindliness and simplicity his desire for peace and his passion for sport solitude and the open air which amidst the worries of power must often have made him dream of a life of freedom far from the imperious duties of royalty for which he seemed unfitted but the queen was yet more tenderly loved so naturally and serenely virtuous that she alone remained ignorant of the scandals of rome she was also a woman of great culture and great refinement conversant with every field of literature and very happy in being so intelligent so superior to those around her a preeminence which she realized and which she was fond of showing but in the most natural and most graceful of ways like pierre prada had remained with his face to the window and suddenly pointing to the crowd he said now that they have seen the queen they will go to bed well pleased and there isn't a single police agent there i'm sure ah to be loved to be loved plainly enough his distress of spirit was coming back and so turning towards the gallery again he tried to play the jester attention my dear abbe we mustn't miss their majesty's entry that will be the finest part of the fete a few minutes went by and then in the very midst of a polka the orchestra suddenly ceased playing but a moment afterwards with all the blare of its brass instruments it struck up the royal march the dancers fled in confusion the centre of the gallery was cleared and the king and queen entered escorted by the prince and princess Buongiovanni, who had received them at the foot of the staircase the king was in ordinary evening dress while the queen wore a robe of straw-coloured satin covered with superb white lace and under the diadem of brilliance which encircled her beautiful fair hair she looked still young with a fresh and rounded face whose expression was all amiability gentleness and wit the music was still sounding with the enthusiastic violence of welcome behind her father and mother celia appeared amidst the press of people who were following to see the sight and then came attilio the sacos and various relatives and official personages and pending the termination of the royal march only salutations glances and smiles were exchanged amidst the sonorous music and dazzling light whilst all the guests crowded around on tiptoe with outstretched necks and glittering eyes a rising tide of heads and shoulders flashing with the fires of precious stones at last the march ended and the presentations began their majesties were already acquainted with celia and congratulated her with quite affectionate kindliness however sacco both as minister and father was particularly desirous of presenting his son attilio he bent his supple spine and summoned to his lips the fine words which were appropriate in such wise that he contrived to make the young man bow to the king in the capacity of a lieutenant in his majesty's army whilst his homage as a handsome young man so passionately loved by his betrothed was reserved for queen margarita again did their majesties show themselves very gracious even towards the signora sacco who ever modest and prudent had remained in the background and then occurred an incident that was destined to give rise to endless gossip catching sight of benedetta whom count prada had presented to her after his marriage the queen who greatly admired her beauty and charm of manner addressed her a smile in such wise that the young woman was compelled to approach a conversation of some minutes duration ensued and the contessina was favoured with some extremely amiable expressions which were perfectly audible to all around most certainly the queen was ignorant of the event of the day the dissolution of benedetta's marriage with prada and her coming union with dario so publicly announced at this gala which now seemed to have been given to celebrate a double betrothal nevertheless that conversation caused a deep impression 
the guests talked of nothing but the compliments which benedetta had received from the most virtuous and intelligent of queens and her triumph was increased by it all she became yet more beautiful and more victorious amidst the happiness she felt at being at last able to bestow herself on the spouse of her choice that happiness which made her look so radiant but on the other hand the torture which prada experienced now became intense whilst the sovereigns continued conversing the queen with the ladies who came to pay her their respects the king with the officers diplomatists and other important personages who approached him prada saw none but benedetta benedetta congratulated caressed exalted by affection and glory dario was near her flushing with pleasure radiant like herself it was for them that this ball had been given for them that the lamps shone out for them that the music played for them that the most beautiful women of rome had bared their bosoms and adorned them with precious stones it was for them that their majesties had entered to the strains of the royal march for them that the fete was becoming like an apotheosis for them that a fondly loved queen was smiling appearing at that betrothal gala like the good fairy of the nursery tales whose coming betokens lifelong happiness and for prada this wondrously brilliant hour when good fortune and joyfulness attained their apogee was one of defeat it was fraught with the victory of that woman who had refused to be his wife in aught but name and of that man who now was about to take her from him such a public ostentatious insulting victory that it struck him like a buffet in the face and not merely did his pride and passion bleed for that he felt that the triumph of the sacos dealt a blow to his fortune was it true then that the rough conquerors of the north were bound to deteriorate in the delightful climate of rome was that the reason why he already experienced such a sensation of weariness and exhaustion that very morning at frascati in connection with that disastrous building enterprise he had realized that his millions were menaced albeit he refused to admit that things were going badly with him as some people rumored and now that evening amidst that fete he beheld the south victorious sacco winning the day like one who feeds at his ease on the warm prey so gluttonously pounced upon under the flaming sun and the thought of sacco being a minister the intimate of the king allying himself by marriage to one of the noblest families of the roman aristocracy and already laying hands on the people and the national funds with the prospect of some day becoming the master of rome and italy that thought again was a blow for the vanity of this man of prey for the ever voracious appetite of this enjoyer who felt as if he were being pushed away from the table before the feast was over all crumbled and escaped him sacco stole his millions and benedetta tortured his flesh stirring up that awful wound of unsatisfied passion which never would be healed again did pierre hear that dull plaint that involuntary despairing growl which had upset him once before and he looked at the count and asked him are you suffering but on seeing how livid was the face of prada who only retained his calmness by a superhuman effort he regretted his indiscreet question which moreover remained unanswered and then to put the other more at ease the young priest went on speaking venting the thoughts which the sight before him inspired your father was right said he we frenchmen whose education is so full of the catholic spirit even in these days of universal doubt we never think of rome otherwise than as the old rome of the popes we scarcely know we can scarcely understand the great changes which year by year have brought about the italian rome of the present day why when i arrived here the king and his government and the young nation working to make a great capital for itself seemed to me of no account whatever yes i dismissed all that thought nothing of it in my dream of resuscitating a christian and evangelical rome which should assure the happiness of the world 
he laughed as he spoke pitying his own artlessness and then pointed towards the gallery where prince buon giovanni was bowing to the king whilst the princess listened to the gallant remarks of sacco a scene full of symbolism the old papal aristocracy struck down the parvenus accepted the black and white worlds so mixed together that one and all were little else than subjects on the eve of forming but one united nation that conciliation between the quirinal and the vatican which in principle was regarded as impossible was it not in practice fatal in face of the evolution which went on day by day people must go on living loving and creating life throughout the ages and the marriage of attilio and celia would be the symbol of the needful union youth and love triumphing over ancient hatred all quarrels forgotten as a handsome lad goes by wins a lovely girl and carries her off in his arms in order that the world may last look at them resumed pierre how handsome and young and gay both the fiancés are all confidence in the future ah i well understand that your king should have come here to please his minister and win one of the old roman families over to his throne it is good brave and fatherly policy but i like to think that he has also realized the touching significance of that marriage old rome in the person of that candid loving child giving herself to young italy that upright enthusiastic young man who wears his uniform so jauntily and may their nuptials be definitive and fruitful from them and from all the others may there arise the great nation which now that i begin to know you i trust you will soon become amidst the tottering of his former dream of an evangelical and universal rome pierre expressed these good wishes for the eternal city's future fortune with such keen and deep emotion that prada could not help replying i thank you that wish of yours is in the heart of every good italian but his voice quavered for even whilst he was looking at celia and attilio who stood smiling and talking together he saw benedetta and dario approach them wearing the same joyful expression of perfect happiness and when the two couples were united so radiant and so triumphant so full of superb and happy life he no longer had strength to stay there see them and suffer i am frightfully thirsty he coarsely exclaimed let's go to the buffet to drink something and thereupon in order to avoid notice he so manoeuvred as to glide behind the throng skirting the windows in the direction of the entrance to the hall of the antiques which was beyond the gallery whilst pierre was following him they were parted by an eddy of the crowd and the young priest found himself carried towards the two loving couples who still stood chatting together and celia on recognizing him beckoned him in a friendly way with her passionate cult for beauty she was enraptured with the appearance of benedetta before whom she joined her little lily hands as before the image of the madonna oh monsieur l'abbé said she to please me now do tell me how beautiful she is more beautiful than anything on earth more beautiful than even the sun and the moon and the stars if you only knew my dear it makes me quiver to see you so beautiful as that as beautiful as happiness as beautiful as love itself benedetta began to laugh while the two young men made merry but you are as beautiful as i am darling said the contesina and if we are beautiful it is because we are happy yes yes happy celia gently responded do you remember the evening when you told me that one didn't succeed in marrying the pope and the king but attilio and i are marrying them and yet we are very happy but we don't marry them dario and i on the contrary said benedetta gaily no matter as you answered me that same evening it is sufficient that we should love one another love saves the world when pierre at last succeeded in reaching the door of the hall of the antiques where the buffet was installed he found prada there motionless gazing despite himself on the galling spectacle which he desired to flee a power stronger than his will had kept him there forcing him to turn round and look and look again 
and thus with a bleeding heart he still lingered and witnessed the resumption of the dancing the first figure of a quadrille which the orchestra began to play with a lively flourish of its brass instruments benedetta and dario celia and attilio were vis-a-vis -vis. and so charming and delightful was the sight which the two couples presented dancing in the white blaze all youth and joy that the king and queen drew near to them and became interested and soon bravos of admiration rang out while from every heart spread a feeling of infinite tenderness i'm dying of thirst let's go repeated prada at last managing to wrench himself away from the torturing sight he called for some iced lemonade and drank the glassful at one draught gulping it down with the greedy eagerness of a man stricken with fever who will never more be able to quench the burning fire within him the hall of the antiques was a spacious room with mosaic pavement and decorations of stucco and a famous collection of vases bas-reliefs and statues was disposed along its walls the marbles predominated but there were a few bronzes and among them a dying gladiator of extreme beauty the marble however was the famous statue of venus the companion to that of the capitol but with a more elegant and supple figure and with the left arm falling loosely in a gesture of voluptuous surrender that evening a powerful electric reflector threw a dazzling light upon the statue which in its divine and pure nudity seemed to be endowed with superhuman immortal life against the end wall was the buffet a long table covered with an embroidered cloth and laden with fruit pastry and cold meats sheaves of flowers rose up amidst the bottles of champagne hot punch and iced sorbetto and here and there were marshalled armies of glasses teacups and broth bowls a perfect wealth of sparkling crystal porcelain and silver and a happy innovation had been to fill half of the hall with rows of little tables at which the guests in lieu of being obliged to refresh themselves standing were able to sit down and order what they desired as in a cafe at one of these little tables pierre perceived narcisse seated near a young woman whom prada on approaching recognized to be lisbeth you find me you see in delightful company gallantly exclaimed the attache as we lost one another i could think of nothing better than of offering madame my arm to bring her here it was in fact a good idea said lisbeth with her pretty laugh for i was feeling very thirsty they had ordered some iced coffee which they were slowly sipping out of little silver gilt spoons i have a terrible thirst too declared the count and i can't quench it you will allow us to join you will you not my dear sir some of that coffee will perhaps calm me and then to lisbeth he added ah my dear allow me to introduce to you monsieur l'abbé fromont a young french priest of great distinction then for a long time they all four remained seated at that table chatting and making merry over certain of the guests who went by prada however in spite of his usual gallantry towards lisbeth frequently became absent-minded at times he quite forgot her being again mastered by his anguish and in spite of all his efforts his eyes ever turned towards the neighbouring gallery whence the sound of music and dancing reached him why what are you thinking of caro mio lisbeth asked in her pretty way on seeing him at one moment so pale and lost are you indisposed he did not reply however but suddenly exclaimed ah look there that's the real pair there's real love and happiness for you with a jerk of the hand he designated dario's mother the marchioness montefiori and her second husband jules laporte that ex-sergeant of the papal swiss guard her junior by fifteen years whom she had one day hooked at the corso with her eyes of fire which yet had remained superb and whom she had afterwards triumphantly transformed into a marquis montefiori in order to have him entirely to herself such was her passion that she never relaxed her hold on him whether at ball or reception but despite all usages kept him beside her 
and even made him escort her to the buffet so much did she delight in being able to exhibit him and say that this handsome man was her own exclusive property and standing there side by side the pair of them began to drink champagne and eat sandwiches she yet a marvel of massive beauty although she was over fifty and he with long wavy moustaches and proud bearing like a fortunate adventurer whose jovial impudence pleased the ladies you know that she had to extricate him from a nasty affair resumed the count in a lower tone yes he travelled in relics he picked up a living by supplying relics on commission to convents in france and switzerland and he had launched quite a business in false relics with the help of some jews here who concocted little ancient reliquaries out of mutton bones with everything sealed and signed by the most genuine authorities the affair was hushed up as three prelates were also compromised in it ah the happy man do you see how she devours him with her eyes and he doesn't he look quite a grand seigneur by the mere way in which he holds that plate for her whilst she eats the breast of a fowl out of it then in a rough way and with biting irony he went on to speak of the amours of rome the roman women said he were ignorant obstinate and jealous when a woman had managed to win a man she kept him forever he became her property and she disposed of him as she pleased by way of proof he cited many interminable liaisons such as that of donna serafina and morano which in time became virtual marriages and he sneered at such a lack of fancy such an excess of fidelity whose only ending when it did end was some very disagreeable unpleasantness at this lisbeth interrupted him but what is the matter with you this evening my dear she asked with a laugh what you speak of is on the contrary very nice and pretty when a man and a woman love one another they ought to do so forever she looked delightful as she spoke with her fine wavy blonde hair and delicate fair complexion and narcisse with a languorous expression in his half-closed eyes compared her to a botticelli which he had seen at florence however the night was now far advanced and pierre had once more sunk into gloomy thoughtfulness when he heard a passing lady remark that they had already begun to dance the cotillon in the gallery and thereupon he suddenly remembered that monsignor nani had given him an appointment in the little saloon of the mirrors are you leaving hastily inquired prado on seeing him rise and bow to lisbeth no no not yet pierre answered oh all right don't go away without me i want to walk a little and i'll see you home it's agreed eh you will find me here the young priest had to cross two rooms one hung with yellow and the other with blue before he at last reached the mirrored salon this was really an exquisite example of the rococo style a rotunda as it were of pale mirrors framed with superb gilded carvings even the ceiling was covered with mirrors disposed slantwise so that on every side things multiplied mingled and appeared under all possible aspects discreetly enough no electric lights had been placed in the room the only illumination being that of some pink tapers burning in a pair of candelabra the hangings and upholstery were of soft blue silk and the impression on entering was very sweet and charming as if one had found oneself in the abode of some fairy queen of the rills a palace of limpid water illumined to its furthest depths by clusters of stars pierre at once perceived monsignor nani who was sitting on a low couch and as the prelate had hoped he was quite alone for the cotillon had attracted almost everybody to the picture gallery and the silence in the little salon was nearly perfect for at that distance the blare of the orchestra subsided into a faint flute-like murmur the young priest at once apologized to the prelate for having kept him waiting no no my dear son said nani with his inexhaustible amiability i was very comfortable in this retreat when the press of the crowd became over-threatening i took refuge here 
he did not speak of the king and queen but he allowed it to be understood that he had politely avoided their company if he had come to the fete it was on account of his sincere affection for celia and also with a very delicate diplomatic object for the church wished to avoid any appearance of having entirely broken with the buongiovanni family that ancient house which was so famous in the annals of the papacy doubtless the vatican was unable to subscribe to this marriage which seemed to unite old rome with the young kingdom of italy but on the other hand it did not desire people to think that it abandoned old and faithful supporters and took no interest in what befell them but come my dear son the prelate resumed it is you who are now in question i told you that although the congregation of the index had pronounced itself for the condemnation of your book the sentence would only be submitted to the holy father and signed by him on the day after tomorrow so you still have a whole day before you at this pierre could not refrain from a dolorous and vivacious interruption alas monseigneur what can i do said he i have thought it all over and i see no means no opportunity of defending myself how could i even see his holiness now that he is so ill oh ill ill muttered nani with his shrewd expression his holiness is ever so much better for this very day like every other wednesday i had the honour to be received by him when his holiness is a little tired and people say that he is very ill he often lets them do so for it gives him a rest and enables him to judge certain ambitions and manifestations of impatience around him pierre however was too upset to listen attentively no it's all over he continued i'm in despair you spoke to me of the possibility of a miracle but i am no great believer in miracles since i am defeated here at rome i shall go away i shall return to paris and continue the struggle there oh i cannot resign myself my hope in salvation by the practice of love cannot die and i shall answer my denounces in a new book in which i shall tell in what new soil the new religion will grow up silence fell nani looked at him with his clear eyes in which intelligence shone distinct and sharp like steel and amidst the deep calm the warm heavy atmosphere of the little salon whose mirrors were starred with countless reflections of candles a more sonorous burst of music was suddenly wafted from the gallery a rhythmical waltz melody which slowly expanded then died away my dear son said nani anger is always harmful you remember that on your arrival here i promised that if your own efforts to obtain an interview with the holy father should prove unavailing i would myself endeavour to secure an audience for you then seeing how agitated the young priest was getting he went on listen to me and don't excite yourself his holiness unfortunately is not always prudently advised around him are persons whose devotion however great is at times deficient in intelligence i told you that and warned you against inconsiderate applications and this is why already three weeks ago i myself handed your book to his holiness in the hope that he would deign to glance at it i rightly suspected that it had not been allowed to reach him and this is what i am instructed to tell you his holiness who has had the great kindness to read your book expressly desires to see you a cry of joy and gratitude died away in pierre's throat ah monseigneur ah monseigneur but nani quickly silenced him and glanced around with an expression of keen anxiety as if he feared that someone might hear them hush hush said he it is a secret his holiness wishes to see you privately without taking anybody else into his confidence listen attentively it is now two o'clock in the morning well this very day at nine in the evening precisely you must present yourself at the vatican and at every door ask for signor squadra you will invariably be allowed to pass signor squadra will be waiting for you upstairs and will introduce you 
and not a word mind not a soul must have the faintest suspicion of these things pierre's happiness and gratitude at last flowed forth he had caught hold of the prelate's soft plump hands and stammered oh, monseigneur how can i express my gratitude to you if you only knew how full my soul was of night and rebellion since i realized that i had been a mere plaything in the hands of those powerful cardinals but you have saved me and again i feel sure that i shall win the victory for i shall at last be able to fling myself at the feet of his holiness the father of all truth and all justice he can but absolve me i who love him i who admire him i who have never battled for aught but his own policy and most cherished ideas no no it is impossible he will not sign that judgment he will not condemn my book releasing his hands nani sought to calm him with a fatherly gesture whilst retaining a faint smile of contempt for such a useless expenditure of enthusiasm at last he succeeded and begged him to retire the orchestra was again playing more loudly in the distance and when the young priest at last withdrew thanking him once more he said very simply remember my dear son that only obedience is great pierre whose one desire now was to take himself off found prada almost immediately afterwards in the first reception room their majesties had just left the ball in grand ceremony escorted to the threshold by the buon giovannis and the saccos and before departing the queen had maternally kissed celia whilst the king shook hands with attilio honours instinct with the charming good nature which made the members of both families quite radiant however a good many of the guests were following the example of the sovereigns and disappearing in small batches and the count who seemed strangely nervous and showed more sternness and bitterness than ever was on his side also eager to be gone ah it's you at last i was waiting for you he said to pierre well let's get off at once eh your compatriot monsieur narcisse Abert, asked me to tell you not to look for him the fact is he has gone to see my friend lisbeth to her carriage i myself want a breath of fresh air a stroll and so i'll go with you as far as the via julia then as they took their things from the cloak-room he could not help sneering and saying in his brutal way i saw your good friends go off all four together it's lucky that you prefer to go home on foot for there was no room for you in the carriage what superb impudence it was on the part of that donna seraphina to drag herself here at her age with that morano of hers so as to triumph over the return of the fickle one and the two others the two young ones ah i confess that i can hardly speak calmly of them for in parading here together as they did this evening they have shown an impudence and a cruelty such as is rarely seen prada's hands trembled and he murmured a good journey a good journey to the young man since he is going to naples yes i heard celia say that he was starting for naples this evening at six o'clock well my wishes go with him a good journey the two men found the change delightful when they at last emerged from the stifling heat of the reception rooms into the lovely cool and limpid night it was a night illumined by a superb full moon one of those matchless roman nights when the city slumbers in elysian radiance steeped in a dream of the infinite under the vast vault of heaven and they took the most agreeable route going down the corso proper and then turning into the corso vittorio emanuele prada had grown somewhat calmer but remained full of irony to divert his mind no doubt he talked on in the most voluble manner reverting to the women of rome and to that fete which he had at first found splendid but at which he now began to rail oh of course they have very fine gowns said he speaking of the women but gowns which don't fit them gowns which are sent to them from paris and which of course they can't try on it's just the same with their jewels they still have diamonds and pearls in particular which are very fine 
but they are so wretchedly so heavily mounted that they look frightful and if you only knew how ignorant and frivolous these women are despite all their conceit everything is on the surface with them even religion there's nothing beneath i looked at the meeting at the buffet oh they at least have fine appetites this evening some decorum was observed there wasn't too much gorging but at one of the court balls you would see a general pillage the buffets besieged and everything swallowed up amidst a scramble of amazing veracity to all this talk pierre only returned monosyllabic responses he was wrapped in overflowing delight at the thought of that audience with the pope which unable as he was to confide in any one he strove to arrange and picture in his own mind even in its pettiest details and meantime the footsteps of the two men rang out on the dry pavement of the clear broad deserted thoroughfare whose black shadows were sharply outlined by the moonlight all at once prada himself became silent his loquacious bravura was exhausted the frightful struggle going on in his mind wholly possessed and paralyzed him twice already he had dipped his hand into his coat pocket and felt the pencilled note whose four lines he mentally repeated a legend avers that the fig tree of judas now grows at frascati and that its fruit is deadly for him who may desire to become pope eat not the poisoned figs nor give them either to your servants or your fowls the note was there he could feel it and if he had desired to accompany pierre it was in order that he might drop it into the letter-box at the palazzo bocanera and he continued to step out briskly so that within another ten minutes that note would surely be in the box for no power in the world could prevent it since such was his express determination never would he commit such a crime as to allow people to be poisoned but he was suffering such abominable torture that benedetta and that dario had raised such a tempest of jealous hatred within him for them he forgot lisbeth whom he loved and even that flesh of his flesh the child of whom he was so proud all sex as he was eager to conquer and subdue he had never cared for facile loves his passion was to overcome and now there was a woman in the world who defied him a woman forsooth whom he had bought whom he had married who had been handed over to him but who would never never be his ah in the old days to subdue her he would if needful have fired rome like a nero but now he asked himself what he could possibly do to prevent her from belonging to another that galling thought made the blood gush from his gaping wound how that woman and her lover must deride him and to think that they had sought to turn him to ridicule by a baseless charge an arrant lie which still and ever made him smart all proof of its falsity to the contrary he on his side had accused them in the past without much belief in what he said but now the charges he had imputed to them must come true for they were free freed at all events of the religious bond and that no doubt was their only care and then visions of their happiness passed before his eyes infuriating him ah no ah no it was impossible he would rather destroy the world then as he and pierre turned out of the corso vittorio emanuele to thread the old narrow tortuous streets leading to the via giulia he pictured himself dropping the note into the letter-box at the palazzo and next he conjured up what would follow the note would lie in the letter-box till morning at an early hour don vigilio the secretary who by the cardinal's express orders kept the key of the box would come down find the note and hand it to his eminence who never allowed another to open any communication addressed to him and then the figs would be thrown away there would be no further possibility of crime the black world would in all prudence keep silent but if the note should not be in the letter-box what would happen then and admitting that supposition he pictured the figs placed on the table at the one o'clock meal in their pretty little leaf-covered basket 
dario would be there as usual alone with his uncle since he was not to leave for naples till the evening and would both the uncle and the nephew eat the figs or would only one of them partake of the fruit and which of them would that be at this point prada's clearness of vision failed him again he conjured up destiny on the march that destiny which he had met on the road from frascati going on towards its unknown goal athwart all obstacles without possibility of stoppage ay the little basket of figs went ever on and on to accomplish its fateful purpose which no hand in the world had power enough to prevent and at last on either hand of pierre and prada the via julia stretched away in a long line white with moonlight and the young priest emerged as if from a dream at sight of the palazzo bocanera rising blackly under the silver sky three o'clock struck at a neighbouring church and he felt himself quivering slightly as once again he heard near him the dolorous moan of a lion wounded unto death that low involuntary growl which the count amidst the frightful struggle of his feelings had for the third time allowed to escape him but immediately afterwards he burst into a sneering laugh and pressing the priest's hands exclaimed no no i am not going farther if i were seen here at this hour people would think that i have fallen in love with my wife again and thereupon he lighted a cigar and retraced his steps in the clear night without once looking round end of section twenty four